0: Twelve seventy nine. Page twelve seventy nine, Second Timothy, Chapter One, and verse number five. If you find your place, say Amen. Pages still turning, praise the Lord. After about 30 minutes, you just pretend like you found him. Nobody will ever know. All right. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, now I'm persuaded that in thee also. With the help of God, I'm going to preach on the power, the power of a mother's faith. Power of a mother's faith. Let's go to the throne of grace. Matthew, how about you praying? Amen. When I mention the fact to you, your mother, what do you think about? What comes to mind? There's one thing we all have is memory. And if you're here today, there's a commonality amongst us all, and that is the fact you had a mother. I know you think some of those children were hatched, but they weren't. They were born, somebody, everybody has a mother. When you think of your mother, what do you think? If you are a mother, what do you desire your children to remember about you? I find in this story a precious matter of fact. It's the only time in the Word of God grandmother is mentioned. And then it's the last time the word mother, physically word mother. Now, there's there's, uh, thoughts towards mothers through the Bible. But this is the last time in the Word of God that the word mother actually is used. Abraham Lincoln said this, No one is poor who had a godly mother. He went on to say, I have remembered my mother's prayers and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my godly mother. Once the New York Times asked the help of a group of ladies to decide on the 12 greatest women in the United States. After due consideration, the 12 greatest women in the United States are women who have never been heard of outside of their own home. It's an unnoticed arena, one without lights, cameras, or even an audience. No one claps in appreciation or writes rave reviews in the paper. Yet here in this quiet domain, lives unknown stars who forged the destiny of future of great lives. It's called motherhood. We all know the greatness of Thomas Edison, but do we know the greatness of his mother? (coughs) Edison's inventions are still being used today. But when Edison was a child, his teacher thought he was retarded, unable to learn, but his mother knew better. And the results of her life being poured into his changed the world in which we live. Today we come and we honor the woman whose accomplishments, women whose accomplishments are often not, not go unknown outside the home, yet whose influence lives in many, many lives. The definition of honor, to revere, to respect, to treat with with submission. It means to exalt. It means to adore. It means to give dignity to. It means to treat with respect. Statue of Liberty for over 90 years has towered over the entrance to New York Harbor. The architect to that thing was a French sculptor by the name of Martholoday. He gave 20 years of devotion and raised $4 million. The French nation gave the United States this statue. But while he was sculpturing this thing and building this thing and making this thing, He looked far and wide for the model of the perfect woman that he would sculpture it after. The look. He he was looking for uh, uh, a woman who would represent freedom and respect and love and acceptance and honor. And he examined Many, 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 and finally he chose as his model his own mother. I love this. When a frazzled mother sent her little boy to bed, she heard him grumbling to himself. Every time she gets tired, I'm the one who <laughs> ends up going to bed early. I love that. President Wilson said, that this day has been set aside to publicly express our love in reference to the mothers of our country. And with that, we say thank you today. Theodore Roosevelt said, When all is said and done, it is the mothers and the mothers only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights it for his country The successful mother, the mother who does her part in reading and rearing and training boys and girls, who are the men and women of the next generation, is of the greatest use to our community and occupies, if she would only realize it, a more honorable as well as important position than any man in it. She is More important, by far, than a successful statesman, businessman, or artist, or scientist. This morning, I I truly hope that you'll leave realizing you possess, dear moms, a powerful, powerful influence. Especially if you possess faith more than you could ever realize. Someone said, well, preacher, uh, I I agree with what you're saying, but in our day and hour, in in the world we're living in, and boy, it's hard to to be a, a mother of faith. Well, may I remind you in the setting, the setting of this verse, Paul said the conditions of the world was... Some in 1st Timothy, some have turned aside, one, chapter one, verse six. Some have made shipwreck, verse 19. Some have turned aside after Satan, chapter five and five, 15. Some have been led astray, chapter six and verse 10. Some have erred, chapter six and verse 21. But in 2nd Timothy, here he said, all have turned away from me. Verse 15. And all I have forsook me. Chapter 4 and verse 16. First Timothy 1, some. But chapter 1, 2 Timothy, we find all. And what Paul is trying to urge him to remember, to remember. This is not a swan song of defeat. It is an anthem of victory. I love this story here. A woman went to renew her license, and the the clerk was a career woman, poised, efficient, and had a high-sounding title. And she asked this mother, What is your occupation? She said, I'm a research associate in the field of child development and human relations." Stunned, the clerk said, Well, could you explain to me just what you do in your field? She said, I'd be glad to. I have a continuing program of research in the laboratory and in the field. Normally, she would have said, I'm indoors and outside. I'm working for my master's. She ordinarily would have said, The whole family. I already have four credits. Ordinarily, she would say, I have four daughters. The job is one very demanding. I often work 14 hours a day. But the job is more challenging than most run-of-the-mill careers and rewards in, in satisfaction rather than just money. The clerk completed the form and stood up and personally ushered her to the door. She drove home and into a driveway. She was greeted by her four her three lab assistants, one thirteen, one seventeen, and one three. Upstairs she her new experiment was being modeled and I was six-month-old in a six month old and testing her vocal ability. I had just gone down to an official record as someone more distinguished more indispensable to mankind than just another career. Paul, in his text, he didn't want this young Timothy to become another Demas. Demas hath forsaken me, loving this present evil world. And Paul says... Now, Timothy, I want you to do three things. Now, this is not the message. Don't put your shoes on yet. He said, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. Timothy had strong Christian parents. And I realize today is Mother's Day, and I realize that, that, that it centers on honoring on mothers, but may I say, this works for fathers as well, and grandfathers. He had a strong Christian family and parents. His mother and his grandmother were believers who who were faithful in in God's Word every day. She was and still is the key to any family. Faithfulness. Here was a woman and he said, remember. Then he said, revealed. Someone had to step up and start. Which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois? Now I'm not so naive as to believe that everyone here has had a good mother. Matter of fact, truth be told, some of the, some may stand up and say, "You don't understand, preacher. I I had a horrible mother. I had a mother just wouldn't do no way, and I had parents that just wouldn't do no way." And we're not careful, we can try to use that for an excuse. If you're here today and you've not had a mother who loved God, then you be the one, you be the one to begin faith. You be the generational warrior for your family. You be the one to begin faith. Because I assure you, there's a future generation and if you can start, you'll build your future. So we need to reveal. Then number three, residual means which dwelt first, my grandmother and my mother Eunice. I am persuaded that in thee also, it, it, it's handed down. All of us today hand our families down something. You in and. We think a lot of times about iniquity can be handed down to the next generation. And that's true. But may I say today, faith can be handed down to the next generation. And some of you have had mothers and grandmothers who were great women of faith, who trusted God and believed God. And so that can be handed down. Let me stop right here and just say this, just good measure. If you've had a great uh, a great grandmother of faith and a great mother of faith, you have a responsibility if that's been handed down to you to carry that on. You have responsibility to to continue to live for God as they live for God. Uh, let me put it to you this way: my my mom and dad's gone; they've been in heaven a few years now. And what they handed down to me, I have an obligation. They only die if I if I cease to to live out what they preached to me, what they taught me, what they prayed for me. If I they only die if I cease to to carry on and do that thing. We have a responsibility to carry on if we've been privileged to have a godly father and a godly mother. If you've not been privileged, you be the one to step up and say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You be the first one to step up and say, I'm going to be a generational warrior. I know what grandma did. I know what grandpa did. I know what mama did. I know what daddy did. But as for me and my house, we're just going to serve the Lord. I'm not going down that road. I'm not going down that path. And you be the one to begin and to start and, and, and to teach that and, and to live that out in front of those youngins Because they will be the next generation when you're gone to take that place. But what kind of faith was it Paul saw in Timothy... That had come from a powerful faith in the influence of his grandmother and his mom. He said, Timothy, Timothy, you have a powerful faith. And I know where you got it. And you got it from you. Grandmother and grandpa all give it to her daughter, and her daughter happens to be your mom, and I'm persuaded that's in you also. What kind of faith is that? What kind of faith is that? Boy, it's a powerful faith. So let me encourage you for the next few minutes. Listen intently. Because it's a powerful faith. Number one. It's a faith that raised him to trust God. It's a faith that raised him to trust God. Oh my. The greatest thing you can do for your children is for you to know Jesus Christ. And when the time comes and the Holy Ghost of God begins to work in that little boy or little girl's life, you to lead them to know Jesus as you know Jesus. Suzanne Wesley had 17 children Oh a preacher, I, I, I just tell you, I don't have time. Suzanne Wesley had seventeen children. Could you imagine? Man, I tell you. And they didn't have peppers. Are you listening? They now, now babies ain't changed. When she lived to now, and they did high pampers, 17 children. Let that, that soak in. She spent one hour every day praying for her 17 children. In addition, she took each child aside for a full hour each week to discuss Spiritual matters. No wonder two of her sons, Charles and John Wesley, were used to to affect England and America in revival. Here was a few rules she followed as she trained her children. Y'all to hear this. Matter of fact, y'all to get the notes. They're really good. First, subdue self-will in a child, and thus work together with God to save his soul. Number two, teach them to pray as soon as they can speak. Three, give them nothing they cry for, and only what is good for them, if they ask for it politely. Amen! That's good. Feel a little preach coming on right there. Give them nothing they cry for. We're destroying our children. They can manipulate and raise the devil and you reward that behavior. You're raising a monster. That's good preaching. To prevent lying. Boy, like this. Punish no thought which is freely confessed, but never allow a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. That's good for adults. Number five, commend and reward good behavior. When's the last time you told your child, Watch a good job? Pay attention, pay attention. I'm preaching. Strictly observe all promises you have made to your child. I didn't have to do that. I love my child, but if I told Connie something, she made sure we done it. It's more likely to have a Christian, a little boy or a little girl to be saved and raised in a Christian fa- home than those who don't. Y'all want to know Jesus and love Jesus for no other reason that you can lead your children to know Christ and love Jesus. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. And I'm alarmed. I'm alarmed in our nation. We're throwing away babies. We murder babies and we think nothing of it. And, and be honest with you, we're more concerned about our stuff and about our toys and about our careers than raising a generation that loves God. And in, in the essence, we're throwing away a generation. And hear me, hear me, we're losing a generation. And we're losing it fast. When it comes to spiritual things, and especially when they're asking that they can be saved, don't ever turn them no, tell them no, don't ever push them away. There's a little boy come to me last week and he's wanting to be saved. And I I spent time and take time and I said, don't never tell him no. Tell him to talk about it. Let him talk about it. Let, Let him talk about it. Jesus said... Said, And they were brought to him, little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Suffer, little children, and forbid them not for it to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. I will never want to push children away. What we've got to learn, we've got to learn to talk to them about spiritual matters and, and help them to realize. And, and a good place to start is you understand sin. And if they don't understand sin, they can't understand salvation and forgiveness. But let them talk, because there's going to come a time, there's going to come a place when, when they come in the age of accountability, when they understand sin, and they understand salvation, and they'll, they'll be ready, and they'll come to you, and they want to be saved, and, and, and what a glorious day to, for them to be saved. You realize this, church, we take nothing to heaven with us but our children. All the things that we're killing ourselves to get, we not take any of it to heaven except our children. Faith that raised her children to trust God. Oh, let me say, there is nothing, there is nothing you can do greater than to teach your children to trust God. To trust God. Number two, a faith that was real, at home. Faith that was real, when I call it, remembrance the unfeigned faith. Unfeigned means not hypocritical. It means real. It means had a faith when it's on top side, and had a faith when on bottom side. They had faith when the sun was shining and when it was a storming outside. They had a faith that wasn't hypocritical. They had a faith that was so real. Not only. And they wanted faith that they, they they didn't watch signs around. Grandma didn't watch I'm Grandma uh, uh, Lois or Eunice and whatever the name is, find out which one it is. Grandma Lois. And I didn't want to say, I'm Grandma Lois and I have faith. Bill up. no, they didn't do that. See, when you have faith at home, the people that matter know it. They know it. And when you don't have faith at home, the people that matter know it. They know it. When we... They seen Mama Eunice didn't put a sign on saying, I'm Mama Eunice and I got faith. No, they didn't have to do that. Timothy watched their lives. Hey, by the way, he watched the life of his father. His father was a Greek. But I'm persuaded he'd probably become a believer. So we were watching. They watched him. They remembered the real faith that they had. May I say faith that was raised him to trust God. A faith that was real at home. Oh my, my, my. How we need to be real. Then last of all, it's a faith that was rooted in the heart. A faith that was rooted in the heart. By this time... They've done had the funeral for Grandma Lois. They had a great service. They praised God, shouted, but Grandma Lois is dead. By this time, Mother Eunice has probably passed on with the scene too. They had a nice funeral. Yes, she's not there. Paul said, but they rooted something in your heart is a faith that was rooted in the heart. And what's in your heart is going to be lived down. And they rooted him. I I love this. A burst of thunder sent a three-year-old into the parents' bedroom. Mommy, I'm scared! The mother half awake said, Go back to your bed. God will be with you. The small figure stood in the unlit doorway for a moment, and said, Mommy, I'll sleep with daddy. You go in, i sleep with God. <laughs> That's about like we are. Bible says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Bible says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk with them. When thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou lies down and when thou risest above. We celebrate Mother's Day. And moms, do you understand the great influence you have for good or a great influence you have for bad? You have a powerful influence. And that influence was rooted in her heart. I wonder today... Many of you, as, as we do, our mothers are not here. So, what did they root into your heart? What did it place in your heart? Are you a new mother? Just starting your brand new mother? What are you hoping to place in the heart? See, this powerful faith is powerful. It's powerful. I'm wondering, how many of you, when you mentioned mother or grandmother, you had a mother or grandmother that just really loved God, really trusted God? How many of you raise your hand and say, Boy, I had one. How many, how many could say they, they really believed God? Then, what have you done with it? What are we doing with it? Do we dismiss it as not being important? We dismiss it when they died, it died? Paul is addressing young Timothy now. And I'm talking to the children now. If you've had that, then what are you going to do with that powerful influence of faith? Do you have faith? I love this story. I think oftentimes as the night draws nigh of an old house on the hill where the children played at will. And when the night at last came down, hushing in the merry den, mother would look around and ask, Are all the children in? Tis many and many a year since then in the old house on the hill no longer echoes to the childish feet, and the yard is still so still. I see it all as the shadows creep, and through many the years I've been, since then I could hear my mother ask, are all the children in? I wonder if when the shadows fall on the last short earthly day, when we say goodbye to the world outside, all tried, tired with childish play. When we step out into that other land where mother so long has been, will we hear her ask, just as of old are all the children in? I close this morning with this. Why should I give up my career to have faith? Why should I live this kind of faith out? Because there's somebody coming up behind you, and they need that faith. That goes for fathers and mothers. My dad went to be with the Lord in 1991, and one of the greatest things I, I could remember about him was he loved the Lord and faithful to the house of God. And to his ability, I do believe he tried to live for the Lord. He's been gone now since 1991. He died on Thursday evening, and I went into the room, and I knew he wasn't there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I literally bowed underneath that gurney, and I said, God, I want his mantle. I refused to let him die. I said, God, I want, a, I want his mantle. And that moment was the day God settled in my heart to preach. And so today, I want to live the faith he had. My great-great-grandfather was a free will Baptist preacher. Little bitty short man and um, tough. Boy, some, you couldn't handle him. He, he was, you think I'm mean sometimes. He was mean. He really was mean. i I'll never forget, Grandpa bought Grandma a little bitty, bitty 12-inch, And my grandfather was tall. He was over six foot. But grandpa was real, real real short. He walked up to him, right up next to him and said, what the hell doing in the house? But may I say this, he was real in what he lived, what he preached. Let me tell you why you ought to have that faith. Not only should you have that faith for yourself, you need to have that faith. But then there's somebody Some of you, many of you are going to be new mothers soon. When do I start? Now. Now. When should I start praying for my children? The moment of conception, you start praying for them. You start purposing that I want to be a mother of faith. Because it's a powerful, powerful influence. Then for you that are, for the godly mothers we have in our church. I want to say thank you. I praise God for you. I believe we have mothers in our church that praise. I do. I think we have mothers in our church that praise for me. And I thank you for that. May I say, just keep praying. Just keep, just, just keep stand by the stuff. We've had godly mothers in our church May I say to the young ladies, y'all start looking to them. Y'all step up to them ever so often and say, listen, tell me, what do you know? Get close to them, know them, love them, because they have a godly faith tonight, this morning. And of course, if you're not saved, you need to be saved. You need to trust the Lord as your Savior. Let's all stand, never head by, never eye closed.